Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of Major Revisions, a podcast by three early career ecologists. With us tonight are Jeff Atkins of Virginia Commonwealth University, John Walter at the University of Virginia, and I'm Grace Wilkinson at Iowa State University. How are you guys doing tonight? Darn good. Doing great. Are you guys ready to talk about um, episode seven from Stranger Things 2 and like how that didn't fit into the rest of the show? Don't spoil it. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I'll have to watch season one and episodes one through six before we discuss that. <laughs> Damn it, John. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm ahead of John. <laughs> Just saying, when we do a spinoff podcast, our Stranger Things podcast is a possibility. I mean, I know yes. a lot of strange things. I just don't know them about Stranger Things. Um, speaking of that, Grace, what are we actually talking about tonight? Yeah, so tonight we um, are going to talk about the recently published paper, and by recent I mean two days ago, in Nature, <laughs> Ecology, and Evolution. Um, this was the 100 articles every ecologist should read. And I just kind of want to mention this is actually... Um, emergency podcast i don't know we all decided that we were going to break our regular podcasting schedule to discuss this um because it's having a really large impact on our field right now and i think we all have some pretty hot takes on this paper as well right so i love hot takes (laughs) and it's great yeah so jeff you start off with your reaction okay um first of all um Fun fact, in Nature, Ecology, and Evolution not taken in our impact factor draft because it's not getting an impact factor for at least two more years. Um, <laughs> so I said I was only going to take one, but I'm, I got one big one and one little one. And there's an obvious critique on the board here that I'm going to leave for one of y'all. Um, so mine was, wh- where is ecosystem ecology here? Um, this is very much, like I think, slanted towards the the what did I call it earlier in the Slack channel? Like the fuzzy, slimy species counting version of ecology or something? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> which is fine. It's I'm not knocking on that. I'm just saying there's like a lot of other stuff in here. Um, and even Josh Shimwell had my back on Twitter with this. I say had my back, literally. He was complaining in a thread and I just liked it. But it was very similar. <laughs> there's nothing in here. First of all, like 5% of these are based on like field experiments. I think real data is important. I'm not knocking modeling. I'm just saying it should be a more inclusive list. And my 1B complaint, and I had this about, I think literally everything is the tier, the idea of the tyranny of the large round number. Like, why is it 100? Right. Why the hell is it 100? Um, and I, I, something on that later, I think, too. But yeah, I this does not, I think, repre- it, this could be far more representative of actually the entire field of ecology, and it could have been done in a lot better way. Um, but there's other biases, but J- John, what was your major complaint? Uh, yeah, so my big beef with this is if you, if you look at how this candidate list of publications was put together, they sampled the editorial boards at a handful of uh, ecology journals um, that you know kind of cover predominantly what I what I think uh, Jeff you referred to as the sort of fuzzy slimy counting things version <laughs> of ecology, um, and so uh, the, I think that's part of where this you know slant. Um, 
you know, not even including ecosystem ecology as a category um, for for disciplines. Um, but also, I mean, these are f- fucking old ass papers. <laughs> like, and not not to say that that is an, an, a really important part of our discipline. Um, and that it says a lot about these papers that they haven't been replaced in the canon of ecology by, um, you know, newer things, but it just, uh, it just like smacks me in the face as a very, um, you know, kind of old school sub-discipline oriented, um, view on what ecology is and it doesn't seem to reflect um, some of the things that are going on in the field right now very well Can I got a question for you um, maybe I'm just going to embarrass myself here but have any of y'all read Darwin 1858 yes yes I, okay Two-thirds of the show has read that. <laughs> what, what, Apparently what was the that? most important article in the history of ecology. Um, no, I've never yeah. read anything from... I've read, like, excerpts from Darwin, but that's it. Like, I, I get it, you know, like, <laughs> I know it. Like, I read it in the <laughs> textbook. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think you're too far off from a lot of... Wasn't there a comment in the article that... Uh, the portion of the list that was recommended, the 544 papers, and then the ones that were ranked, but ecologists said they'd actually read. Like, mm-hmm. the, there was a lot of papers that people hadn't read that they were recommending or ranking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and I'm like, and I'm a big canon person, right? Like, if you think of the canon as, like, being more open, like, I'm all for, you know, diversifying and making a big canon instead of a small canon. Um, but... I don't know. I just, yeah. I've never read it. Maybe I should read it. <laughs> I've only read like so, maybe like ten ten pages of on the origin of species. So. <laughs> um. So I, I guess my my major um, gripe or issue with this, and and I think it's something that we all share and we've talked about. Um, which sort of led to us wanting to record tonight is the fact that the the method for sampling and coming up with this list inherently meant that they were going to be selecting for old white men to be deciding (laughs) what was foundational in ecology, what are the must-read papers to be the tastemakers. And it is just crap representation of our field in terms of people of color and women. And um, that really... But Grace, aren't there two women on here? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, touche. Um, <laughs> no, I just, you know, and, and I think, you know, like parenthetical verbal reference to episode 28, where I talked about the composition of editorial boards and how crap that is. Um, and that has the oppor- really has the opportunity at many journals to change. Um, this is just, a, you know, an excellent example of how that can have a large influence. Um so I think while this was a worthwhile exercise in a way that it's it's good to take stock of your field at any given time, and, and I certainly respect the authors for at least trying to include um, a large 
body of expert opinion. Um, they just didn't include all the experts. And so therefore they got a really biased list. Um, and so it's a good exercise. I certainly hope when we get to do this again in 10 or 20 years or someone undertakes this, they'll actually pick a study design that's inclusive of all the ideas and thoughts and people in the field. And so we can not only celebrate how far our science has advanced, but how far our scientific community has advanced as well, because we invite different people to be at the table and actually be experts and be seen as experts. And by that, I mean women and people of color. Very well said. Amen. So, yeah, that's, I was really bummed about that. But I know I'm not the only one, and there's been a lot of talk about this on Twitter. Um, and you should check out 500 Women Scientists, I believe, has a great response, as well as has been compiling their own list of must-read articles that have been influential mm -hmm. in ecology that are by women and people of color. Yep. So you should go check that out. We'll post a who, link. Who is, who, who is your biggest snub? Like when you looked at the list, who was the one you could not believe was not on there? Ooh. Like the chief among. I had, my two were Monica Turner and Lucy Braun. Um, yeah. I feel like Monica Turner like almost basically created a subfield of ecology. Yeah, I immediately. I mean, there were other Monica people Turner. involved, but like, you know, she was pretty chief in that. <laughs> you think that would have come up one point or another? <laughs> Just saying. Did. In reading this part, and I read this again tonight here before before we hit record, um, and this still surprises me. The proposal ratio, like they do, they they address they don't address the gender bias of the selections, but they do address the gender bias of kind of the editorial boards. And basically, men proposed like seven times the amount of articles to women. Hmm. On, on a on a per capita basis or a or a total basis. Um, total. Okay. But well, it's um. Well, if you look at the ratio of voters, the ratio of voters was two hundred ninety two to sixty two, but the proposal rate was three sixty five to fifty four. Wow. So. I could be doing the math wrong on that, but it looks like the average male editorial person. 1.3, 1.4 papers. The average papers proposed by women, less than one. Yeah, so it's... There are a lot more men in the in the sample of proposers, and each man yeah. is proposing, on average, more articles than each woman. Yeah. Man, that just seriously bums me out. Um... So now, now what there are, is oh, what? Go ahead. I was just going to ask what are some ideas no, no. you all had about you know if if the study were to happen again how the sampling design or the study design could be undertaken in a different way to increase the diversity of opinion. I I would do it by subfield. Um, when you look at there's a breakdown in here where they look at, you know, the types of articles, where they come from, and they're predominantly from community ecology, biodiversity, and evolution. Like that makes up, if you add in population ecology, that takes up over 50% of the papers. Um, the question then would become, how do you demarcate the fields? Yeah. Those lines are a little fuzzy, I understand. But you could imagine where, you know, there's... And I, and I think, so, like, I think of it like NSF proposals, right? 
like you don't say you have 200 proposals you sit down and you vote either basically fund or not fund or recommend not recommend right mm -hmm. and then however many recommend you rank high medium low there's not a, a set number that you have to recommend so this should be like a highly recommended read or something for each field no matter how many there is maybe there's 47 papers in ecology or in community ecology they're high recommends maybe there's 80 in ecosystem ecology maybe there's only 25 in biogeosciences or however you demarcate those but you can imagine I think like you know different subfields however you do it and then there just be a section of those papers and you know I think this article does contradict itself a couple times where it's like you know they talk about it's really difficult to make an invariant list but then they also talk about how this is a must-read list right so they kind of go back and forth and hedge their bets but I think one aspect of it would be to design it kind of by subfield and then also you know kind of like John alluded to um, better stratify who's picking the papers. John, you can jump in on that a little more, what you were thinking. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it would be a good... It's, well, I you know, I should say that it's, it's really difficult to get a, you know, sort of perfectly representative sample, and I don't think that the, the authors set out to... Um, design a study that was really skewed in this way um at least you know in terms of in terms of outcomes um but i will say that there are a lot of resources for getting survey you know for getting surveys out to a broader group of ecologists um and there are a lot of people with quite a lot of expertise that, um, you know, aren't on the editorial boards of, you know, s a handful of the fanciest journals in ecology. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think that, you know, to, to not, to, to not count those voices um, is a is a pretty big deal, um, and you know you could send you know send out surveys via you know all bunch of ecological uh, professional societies you know ESA British Ecological Society um, organizations like that and uh, you know and sample a broader you know swath and. You know, if you wanted to only include results from people that have PhDs, you know, be my guest. But, um, you know, the, this, the sample of people with PhDs is a much more representative uh, group of people in our field and group of perspectives um, that bring a much more contemporary flavor to, um, to ecology than, uh, you know, picking, um, you know, predominantly long-established people. Yeah. You know, Jen, you, you made a point where you said that, you know, I don't think they intentionally set out to have such a, to design the study in this way. And that, that is probably true. Um, 
And I'm sure they, they put a lot of thought into that. But at the same time, I guess perhaps, A, there could have not been an awareness that editorial boards generally tend to be pretty skewed or they didn't take the time to go and look at that. Um, or, you know, it, it does seem by that way, by restricting it to things like editorial boards and soliciting in that way, mm-hmm. that like, yeah, no, that is definitely a study design flaw. Like, how could you not have seen that coming? Um, to their credit, and in, it's only partially up, but in the links to the data and the analysis, which is all freely available on here, is hosted on GitHub, they appear to have a follow-up where they directly address the bias of the editorial board. Well, uh, that is really that cool, appear- then. That appears to already be in review, um, and there's data and some analysis set up there, but there's not like a preprint or anything available, or at least that I could find. Well, then that's really cool. I'm glad that they're looking at that. Yeah, and I I do think that they are relatively forthright in this study about the fact that, you know, this is biased. You know, yes, they do hedge a bit about, you know, is this really a must-read list? Um, and, you know, how we're you know, how, how we should, should take this, but, you know, they, they do, they do talk about the, you know, gender balance of their sample and, and stuff like that. So I, I think, I think that they are aware of it. Um, you know, possibly they should have seen this coming. I, I, th- I think that my point was more that, um, you know, they probably didn't anticipate that the list of papers that they received, you know, that they ended up with would be so unrepresentative of the contributions of women and people of color to our field. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I still wish there had been another way to do it. (laughs) Oh, sure. But... Surely in one of these hundred papers of ecology, there's something that addresses study design that perhaps could have been read. <laughs> hey, isn't that, Is that the s- next podcast that we're doing, the How to Do Ecology book? Oh, shit. I got to buy that. <laughs> um, I, I, I've been reading the, the professor's end book, which is pretty dope. Highly recommended. I'm going to buy that for one of my friends in my lab group. Um yeah, do you remember the pseudo replication paper that we had to read? Yep. Mm-hmm. In uh, statistics, it's on. It's on that list. I'm pretty sure. Is it okay? I think so. I was gonna say that freaking paper better be on here. It is. Also, okay, good. Number I mean, 30. it's not. I guess I want to say like I want to give the concession. It's not a bad list. It's just a really incomplete list. Yeah, I mean, I don't look at any of these papers and be like, wow, that's trash. Right. Um, no, absolutely there's not. There's one, but we're not going to mix names. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think these what these exercises do, um, I, I think they help us reflect on where we were as a community in our science, where we are now, and then... Um, also hopefully gives us some ways to challenge ourselves as a community to change towards the future. And it seems like at least in the initial discussion of this paper, people are not necessarily talking about the hundred list of papers themselves so much as 
who the authors are. And so sort of who we are in our identity as a community and how we can best represent and improve that. And so I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As with everything, we end up talking about it, and I end up kind of relaxing my position a little bit. That's probably a good thing. That shows I'm capable of growth. Hey, Jeff, you did say, like, sort of our, I guess, last thing, but you said you wanted to come back to the tyranny of large round numbers. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. Like, if you do a different design, I wouldn't stick to that. Because, I mean, um, I don't know. I just don't think it, it works very well. It's, it's it's just an arbitrary thing, right? Like it's like the you also see it in like the binomial nature of a lot of things, right? Like the idea, like the whole tossed around the left brain, right brain thing, right? Which is totally based on junk science, and not junk science, but it's based on like an original study that looked at um, you know a situation. I want to say it was in people where like there was like basically a syndrome where only half the brains were build this whole idea of like an either or kind of dichotomy. Um, just things like that are so arbitrary and I don't think they're that helpful they just are I don't know kind of lazy shortcuts Mm. like I mean if they suggested 544 maybe 544 is the number why is it gotta be 100 that's that's totally arbitrary Um, I don't you know I don't think it has to be that um so I don't know. If if I were doing this, I would say, oh, you can imagine like a Rotten Tomatoes type ranking for this. Yeah. <laughs> or like we had an active website, and every kind of article had like an editorial board review ranking, right? And then it also had like a community ranking, and so we could see what the mismatch is. Hmm. No one's got time for that, though. That would be freaking pointless. <laughs> but um, I don't think I could include that in my tenure package. No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, I don't know. I'm glad my boy MacArthur's on here like a billion times, though. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm actually kind of... I. So I was kind of just noticing that uh, the list of people that appear multiple times... Um, Robert MacArthur, Bob May, uh, Peter Vitusek, Dave Tillman, um, Steve Carpenter. Steve Carpenter. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a pretty pretty you know fantastic list. I wouldn't like you know necessarily quibble with any of those, um, but it it does kind of. So of those people, I think the the person who's doing the most kind of like wide ranging work um is is macarthur yes and you know why and i'm gonna make a baseball analogy like grace did last time (laughs) um people still really like babe ruth right yeah people are like babe ruth is awesome there's even like a, a billboard up in richmond where it's talking about how great something is and he has Babe Ruth, like a picture of him, like making that analogy, right? Okay, so Babe Ruth played baseball in like the 20s and 30s. And he was a big fat dude who like smoked and drank all the time. And he was good relative to 
the players at the time because he was basically like, oh, I'm just going to hit the ball really hard. And if you were to take Babe Ruth now and put him into the major leagues, dude's not even playing like the lowest minor league ball. Like he's not going to make it. My point being is baseball was easier, right? I'm not knocking anything that MacArthur ever did. <laughs> just saying. I hear ya. There was a there was a lot less done. If you go back and read the earliest like issues of ecology and journal of ecology, there's articles in there where people literally walk out and are talking and are writing like what they saw hanging out next to a lake that day. Hey. Uh, no, no, I'm just. <laughs> oh, sorry, not in the lake. <laughs> yeah, not in the lake. Just like. Dear Martha, <laughs> six of the most beautiful swans slept down to the lake, to the shore, which was gently sloping away. And it's like six pages, and it's like, okay. There was less done. I'm sorry, I like your old school was... ecology voice. <laughs> this, is my, this is my hot take on this. I'm going to catch so much shit from this. You know, good on them. They were. It was brilliant, and they did a good job, and it took a brilliant mind to see that and, and set that. But also, like, it was easier then than it is now. Um, that's why I, I hate old man arguments. And you see this more in sports than you do anything else, where, like, people will sit there and watch basketball, and they'll be like, Steph Curry and LeBron James, Harry Bird and Magic Johnson could run circles around them, and Michael Jordan could do-. No, they couldn't. No, they can't. <laughs> no, the dude's on the bench. Who aren't even playing would crush Michael Jordan, absolutely destroy him because people are bigger, stronger, they work harder, they're smarter. We have better shit. We know more, and every year it gets better and it gets ratcheted up, and it's harder and it's more difficult. Look at the things that grad students have to like crunch and press and do now, and we also, you know, we have tools and technology that just absolutely just run circles around this. Yeah. And I don't know about MJ, in the- but but point taken. No. They would crush MJ. <laughs> Absolutely crush. Dude, MJ was still a fucking all-star when he was 40. If that was like 30 years ago, man. No, it was like Not 20 like years ago. <laughs> Wait, how old are we? You... I am older than you. Too old. Steph, Steph Curry would crush him. LeBron would crush him. Just saying. Any random major leaguer that you pick right now would destroy Babe Ruth. I be- absolutely just the worst one that you pick, uh, Sal Perez. Well, he's not even bad, but he's <laughs> old and plays like six hundred games a year, so he's like just worn out, right? Would crush them. So, I mean, you if you if you transported any random grad student you want back in time with what they knew now, just think of what they could do. All I'm saying is you so, have to so think, take into consideration like foundational literature, time and place. So you're arguing a moving baseline. Yeah. I like that, yeah. Alright. The bar the bar's higher now. Um but you all know that. I mean you can't publish a paper with like six data points or something. I mean I guess you could depend on the data points, right? But but like there's a MacArthur paper that we cite a lot, MacArthur and Horn in '69, where he's measuring like leaf area and tree height, and he's basically he's measuring, I don't know, like 20 measurements or something. I should know that number automatically. It's probably a little bit more than that, but basically just measuring like distance from leaf to the ground, right, with like a ruler. Um, 
which is cool. Like no one knew how to thought to do that, and it's brilliant. But like you can't do the same kind of ecology that you could do then now. Some of the ideas hold. Yeah, I mean, I I think just the, I think the the brilliance of MacArthur though is that he like basically applied pretty simple mathematical ideas to a whole bunch of different problems in ecology and so he gave us a foundation for thinking about a lot of different things right yeah brilliant work Uh, maybe a better analogy is if you think of like medicine 100 years ago you know 100 years ago the biggest advance was washing your fucking hands (laughs) (laughs) like that's Nobel Prize worthy shit like maybe we should wash our hands and not stick dirt into the open wound <laughs> oh, your old school medical yeah. voice is better than your old school <laughs> ecology voice. I was trying to think of like what's an old school medical name. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe like Grace, like you said, moving baseline, like maybe a paper that comes out in 2015 or 2016, 2017, the bar is just that much higher for that to make this list, and so hence. You know, there's just, there was more to do back then. I don't know. Yeah. And there's also just simply more scientists and more technology and more available information and equipment and data. And, I don't know. It, along those same lines that you're talking about, like, more to do or whatnot, there's also some uh, foundational whole ecosystem manipulations that made the cut. On here, in particular, I'm thinking of the Carpenter paper and the Lichens one, and man, that's still really hard to do. Yeah, yeah. So there is also a, a bit of a variety there as well. How is there only five percent on here that were field papers? What was that? Yeah, five percent. Oh, field experiment. Excuse me, not necessarily observation. Well, look at the journal selection. Right. And it's not to discount those papers. I'm just saying the list is incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it doesn't even matter anymore. I've already said too much. <laughs> well, I am certainly excited to see the follow-up paper that these authors are working on related to this gender bias issue. I think they certainly, um, I'm g- guessing they're very aware, and they currently were aware when they wrote the paper that they've touched on an issue there that the community is very ready to talk about. So I'm sure that paper will be will be of great interest. Um, but yeah, so closing thoughts. Um, I think we should go back and visit the hundred most cited ecology papers, what those are again with the round number, but, um, the list that's cited in here, maybe we should look at that at some point and talk about that. And I'm sure there's probably a dynamic ecology post on that as well. Yeah. John? Uh, sorry, I spaced. That's all right. You sounded like your drink was out anyways, so <laughs> might be time for a refill. <laughs> and by that, I mean your orange juice. Um... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, something magical happened when we switched to doing our recordings at night and not during the day. 
And part of that was that we all decided to have a glass of something while we recorded. Um, so I guess with that, this has been episode 29 of Major Revisions. Thanks for listening tonight um, or whatever time of day you're listening at. It's a podcast. You get to pick. Um, you can listen to us on a number of different platforms, including Jeff. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Play, and Stitcher, or directly from our website, Major Revisions Show. And check us out on Twitter, major underscore revisions. Tell us everything that you think we got wrong uh, in our analysis of this paper. We look forward to hearing from you. Bye.